Welcome to the Pirate's Eye Podcast, produced by the Seton Hall Alumni Engagement and Philanthropy Department. I'm your host, Bianca Velez, Class of 2010 alumna and Director of Alumni Communication and Digital Engagement here at Seton Hall. Each month, I'll be sitting down with an alumnus to talk about their career, their life journey, and the role that Seton Hall has played in getting them where they are today, or continues to play. this month, Dr. Daniel Jean dedicates his time and energy to motivating and inspiring others to accomplish their goals and live with intention. How he does this is what he'll share with us today. He is a higher education professional, a playwright, an author, a motivational speaker, and a mentor to so many. Take a listen to Dr. Jean's journey and why serving others is so important to him. Dr. Daniel Jean, I want to thank you so much for joining the Seton Hall Pirates Eye podcast today. I'm very excited to chat with you. Thank you so much for having me. Very excited to be here and learn from you. Absolutely. So we have so much to dive into. You are the first guest on the show who only has a Seton Hall doctoral degree. So you bring a unique perspective as it pertains to the alumni experience, which I absolutely want to capture. That experience inspired you to create an online group and movement called Finished Hashtag Who Got Next as a space for mentoring and resources for a group that uh, primarily serves underrepresented communities pursuing a doctoral degree. And I want to get into that. (laughs) Before we get into the details about both of those experiences, though, it's helpful to know where you come from. So talk to me a little bit about the journey of getting to college? Where are you from and, and what was that like? So I uh, grew up not too far from Seton Hall. Wasn't too familiar with Seton Hall until the final four happened in 1989, which may predate you, uh, <laughs> Bianca. But it put Seton Hall on the map. I grew up on South Orange Avenue, um, lived in several locations in Newark, New Jersey, was once homeless, um, experienced lots of violence growing up, so-called teachers, drugs in my family, grew up on welfare and public assistance. But the foundation of my development was the Haitian upbringing, Haitian parents who came to the to the states for the American dream and running water and new education was the passport for me to achieve all of my personal professional goals. So it provided that foundation I need, that I needed to attend Ramapo College for my bachelor's in public communications, my master's for Montclair State University and counseling, and then move on to earn my doctorate in education from Seton Hall University. And why did you decide to move on? Why was it that a bachelor's wasn't enough or a master's wasn't enough? Why did you decide to get your terminal degree and why did you decide to do it at Seton Hall? A very, very interesting question. It's interesting reflecting on this. I was what you would consider a somewhat of a late bloomer. I mean, I was just going through the motions the mentorship and the folks that I connected to helped me connect to my passions at a time where I was still trying to find myself during my undergraduate experience. And those mentors essentially planted the foundation for me to understand that if you can truly pursue your passion, you'll never work a day in your life. And what you want to do throughout life, throughout your personal and professional endeavors, is to make sure you can find ways to live your passion through paid and unpaid opportunities. 
Mm-hmm. So I knew I wanted to inspire folks because my experience in undergrad taught me so much. And if you're first gen, even folks who are continuing education, you don't really understand what folks do on a college campus. Like you don't know that there's a student activities coordinator or academic advisor or career advisor. I mean, you may have some understanding of it, but you don't really understand the impact. And those mentors that are connected to in and outside the classroom made me want to become a college educator. And having my terminal degree just allows me to do some of the things that I'm doing now, which is uh, teaching undergrad courses, grad courses, full-time administrator, presenter, swagger trainer. Once you have that terminal degree, the sky is the limit as it relates to your um, professional and personal pursuits. Absolutely. And you talked a little bit about being first-gen. Yes. How did being first-gen shape your college experience or your college experiences, considering that you have three degrees? So it's interesting. I never really felt like a first gen. It's it's mostly defined in research of having uh, neither of your parents having earned a degree on any level, associates, bachelors, et cetera. I was the youngest. I am the youngest of five, all of whom graduated from college. So I spent a lot of time on college campuses at a young age. So it didn't feel foreign to me. I did feel some bit of culture shock. Um, I was enrolled through the EOF program, the Educational Opportunity Fund program, one of the best kept secrets in the state of New Jersey as it relates to college access right. for low, low-income scholars. Absolutely. So you, what, what I think it did for me as a, the first-gen trigger or the first-gen moment where it was, it was somewhat of a challenge was growing up in Newark where everyone looked like me. It was Black. It was Latino. And then you move on to the summer program. It's Black and Latino. You're meeting folks from Neptune and towns you never heard of in New Jersey, making those connections. And then during the fall semester, it's rushed into that classroom and you're the numerical minority. And I don't know if you've ever been a numerical minority or early in your career where you feel like in that moment, you're rep- like I used to feel like I was representing every Black man on the planet right. with everything that I was saying in the classroom. But the foundation, when I went through those moments of feeling marginalized or ostracized or um, just alienated, you know, internally and externally, whether it was real or imagined, I had my EOF counselor, my EOF team, my EOF community to connect to. So that's why I'm really privileged and honored to now oversee a program for first-gen scholars, many of whom who have some of the same experiences that I have. But the first-gen experience, when you're truly first-gen, you're first-gen everything. First-gen homeowner, first-gen uh, with financial literacy, and you have to figure out a lot of these things on the fly to help build that generational and family wealth that will make sure the next generation of your family will not be EOF eligible. Um, So it's a struggle um, to continuously learn on the fly. But the the good news or the great thing is that once you continue to have success, you can build on that momentum to make sure you can really chart a path forward to achieve all of your personal and professional dreams. Absolutely. I love that. I love that you talk about those experiences of being first gen and kind of having that culture shock as we celebrate Black History Month. What do you think is important for people to keep at the forefront of their minds as it pertains to these experiences that our students are having? You're in higher ed. I'm in higher ed. What What are some things that we need to be mindful of? So, Bianca, I do trainings across the nation, and I, I, there's a few things that I, that I subscribe to as it relates to higher education. One, every student is a scholar. So, uh, whether you're first gen, low income, uh, being raised in Newark on South Orange Avenue with a family income of less than 20,000, I think you have the same potential as that 
other scholar who's graduating from Livingston High School and their parents' income is in the six digits. The idea behind that is that every interaction that a professional has or a student has actually within their environment will are, are considered retention or withdrawal encounters. Every, every interaction in and outside the classroom is either going to move them closer, inch them closer to graduation or inch them closer to withdrawal. I've had circumstances where students, a professor uh, refuses to learn how to pronounce somebody's name and basically tells the student they're going to call them by their initials. Right. That's a withdrawal encounter that's going to make that student feel less comfortable within that space. Mm. Uh, we just, uh, at the institution I work at now, we just held a graduation ceremony for students and it, uh, via Zoom last night, and there wasn't a dry eye on the call because these students talked about the, the love, the support, the belief we gave them to move them to graduation, and they were forever grateful for those retention encounters that we created for them. So fast forward in, in the doctoral space, knowing how I felt throughout the process, even with support, um, I created a social media group called Finish PhD, Finish, Finish EDD, Finish Hashtag, Who Got Next? And Bianca, within a month, I had 1,000 members. Wow. So it was clear. I, I knew there was a need, but I was blown away by how fast the numbers increased and the outreach. And then the, the group is created as a motivational and resource page. It's a closed group on, on Facebook. Um, we do a lot of promoting of it with the hashtag who got next on other platforms to draw people to the group. Uh, we currently have 20,000 members from all across the globe. And the idea is that you're providing motivation and resources within that space. So when people graduate, they're literally commenting on how they couldn't wait to post their, their picture within this group. And they're getting all types of reactions from the group, which is motivation. And then we have folks who are just starting. We're sharing resources. Um, I hold future doctor summits throughout the country. I'm part of several networks throughout the country that promote uh, folks earning their terminal degrees. So it's really just creating a movement. And what I learned, and that was what I was referencing earlier as it relates to that self-discovery, I learned that I'm best suited in the mentorship role and I'm best suited in the role as an educator. So what I've done, um, I've, I've found paid and unpaid positions that allow me to live through my passion. Mentorship transformed my life. I can think back to the signature moments of my journey and the people who believed in me in those moments who literally made a difference in my life. I have a professor from Ramapo, uh, James Conyers, who just passed away recently. May he rest in power. I basically wasn't a good student my sophomore year, had a lot of family drama going on, which can impact my, um, you know, my, my road to graduation. And I didn't read for an assignment. And he called on me. I butchered the response, and he, he literally said in front of the class, and I'll never forget it, because it was one of those signature moments, and it could go either way, but he literally said to me, this brother right here just committed intellectual genocide. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's and intense. My friends, yeah, and again, that could go either way. I took it as I didn't bring my A game, and I deserved it. I spoke to him after class. He told me it was unacceptable. So it wasn't just that moment. So some folks could take that as a withdrawal encounter. I took that as you need to bring your A game. Um, that is the minimal expectation. And when we spoke after class, that's what he said. And when I found that he passed away, um, it just reminded me of how important that interaction was. Because I, I don't think I ever came half correct beyond that, that point because he really made it clear to me what the expectations were. And that makes a difference. So the mentorship, 
folks believing in you, giving you the blueprint, telling you you could do it. Because typically, Bianca, and I don't know what your experience has been. I would love to hear about you as well. But when you're first gen, you're first gen everything, mm. right? First gen homeowner, first person that you know that particularly may have majored in that particular major. And you have to figure these things out on the fly. So mentorship in all aspects of life, marriage mentor, uh, career mentor, virtual mentor, having folks mentor you from afar, it really makes a difference. And my Finnish group, the interaction that I'm getting from across the globe is just, it's just unbelievable. And I'm just really happy that I created something that will live beyond my time on this earth. Absolutely. I love that. I love that you touch upon that moment that you're calling a, a signature moment that really does show that someone cares, that someone is paying attention to the way that you're showing up, right? That yes. you're not just gliding through and trying to check off a box. There's someone that's invested in your intellectual growth. And you're right, it could be taken in different ways depending on the individual, but it certainly speaks to, hey, I'm paying attention to your experience. And I, and I couldn't agree more. I think mentorship is extremely important. And for my college experience, also being first gen, I relied so heavily on those relationships to guide me throughout the way. And, and honestly, I still rely on those relationships. <laughs> mm -hmm. I go back to my mentors all the time and say, hey, this is what's going on in my life. I need your help. So just think about it. You probably have a handful of moments that you could hark back on that, that were life changing in a number of ways. And those folks may not even realize, like literally the reason why I, I actually even made it to grad school, I was a, I was a, I was a mess. A lot of folks said, no, you weren't a mess. I was an absolute mess. <laughs> but folks saw potential in me. Like the EOS program is phenomenal. It's existed for over 50 years. It targets low-income scholars who are highly motivated. So they provided their college access. And literally my EOS counselor just said to me one day, I think you will be great for graduate school. And I had never heard that before. Mm. And he handed me a scholarship application that he helped me refine my essays and apply for. And the rest is history. Just literally that one moment. It's, it's unbelievable how important those moments are and how they can go either way. But again, you, you can probably talk back to your experiences and find a handful of moments that transformed your life and may have gotten you to the point where you are right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, you know, for... For people who may go through the imposter syndrome, having someone encourage you to do something that maybe in the back of your mind had a different narrative, maybe in the back of your mind you were saying, how dare you aspire to reach for X, Y, Z? You know, who are you? Mm -hmm. And here comes someone else to reshape that narrative. Uh, is it, It's extremely powerful. And your group is is providing some of that, but that is not actually what you do full-time in the sense of your traditional nine-to-five career. And so let's talk a little bit about that. What is your professional career outside of these mentoring and resource opportunities that you are providing students? So when I, when I mentor folks about their career path, and I mentioned it earlier, it's really important to find the base, the roots of your passion, and then find unpaid and paid ways to live out that passion. So in that sense, my, my, the root of what I want to accomplish is empowerment and edutainment, right? I'm a playwright. I'm a, a retired rapper. Um, just trying to figure out ways to share my voice and my message. My full-time role 
I serve as the assistant provost for special programs at Montclair State University, so overseeing multiple programs of scholars who enter the university and providing intentional services to move them towards graduation. I'm also uh, registered na uh, in the National Speakers Association, so I've delivered training and keynotes and workshops over 600 across the, across the country. The goal is to deliver 1,000 presentations before I retire wow. and to assist 1,000 folks directly to become doctors. Wow. So it's all immersed in that same that same area of education and empowerment and edutainment and just really being able to because it's interesting because I've always wanted to educate folks even at a young age I could look back but I needed some refining I needed mentorship I needed some lived experiences to really shape what, what was going to be the best way for me to do that um, I was and I've taught graduate courses and undergraduate courses as well so it's just really trying to figure out how I can empower and inspire in the ways that I feel most comfortable doing so that's amazing. And I don't know how you do it, but you also <laughs> are an author. So talk to me a little bit about yeah. this book. What's it called? What's it about? What's that process been like? So I'm, I'm holding the latest copy of my book right now. It's called I Am My Will, uh, an action achievement plan. So throughout my travels and all of my presentations, I've gotten such a great response from folks who want mentorship, and support beyond the trainings, beyond the presentation. So I've developed this guide to help folks really hone in on their identity. So the, the concept of I am, Bianca, is I am. And anything you put after I am, no one can tell you that you are not. Mm. So it's really important for folks to be very clear before you even go out into the world. You have to be very clear as to who you are. And you could be, I am tired, I am frustrated. Um, 2021 has been very interesting so far. 2020 was a was a was a beast on a lot of levels so it's really trying to understand how you feel in the moment and who you are in the moment you could even go beyond the i am and focus on the i was and what you experienced endured the drama the trauma which is all valid but we can't make any excuses as it relates to showing up to who you want to be today and then the i will is being very intentional on what you plan to achieve so i was just presenting to a group uh where was i virtually at um, New York Institute of Technology. And the the end of all my workshops, I have folks write out who they are, the I am, and who they plan to be. And between the I am and the I will, you have to focus on time reference action steps. So this book that I've written allows you to really delve into those steps that are going to take you. So I will become a nurse. Okay, so what are those steps you need to take? And then finally, as it relates to the I will, Instead of focusing on willpower, Bianca, we want folks to focus on the why power. Mm. So you will become a nurse, but why is that important to you? Because my family have a history of hypertension and diabetes, and I want to be able to you know, serve folks in, in healthcare. I will become a great father. Why? Because my father left me when I was 14, and I would never be the man that he was. Mm -hmm. So being very, you know, just really tapping into the why, because that's going to help you remain focused, connect to the discipline that's needed, to achieve the I will. That is amazing. I have to share with you that one of my experiences at Seton Hall as an undergrad, it involved an I am exercise. So kind of writing, awesome. not necessarily poetically, but writing sentences mm -hmm. of I am. And in retrospect, I can't believe that when I first started the exercise, I didn't know where to start. Now, right, you, you fast forward and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, I can do an I am exercise very easy, but it mm -hmm. speaks to how necessary 
that information and that reflection is. So I am all in for this book. How do I, how do I find out more? How do I get my hands on it? So eventually, it's interesting. I have my, my family running it now. I have uh, two young children, so I have them running it. So that they're where uh, basically selling it through Cash App, Venmo, um, and uh, Zelle. And soon we'll have it up on our website. Um, but the idea behind it, just to get back to the content, it's really about folks truly being able to define who they are and not letting anyone define it for you. Because once you tell the world who you are, you're telling them who you're not. And then you can move forward with intention as it relates to what you want to achieve. So Absolutely. I've been, and it's interesting, I, I actually use quarantine. <laughs> so I've been, I've been talking about writing this book for the longest. And then when quarantine hit, I locked in in March and I was able to get it published this past fall. Wow. Um, so we've, we've partnered with some school districts. We're working on creating curriculum that's connected to the Common Core. Um, and my, my goal is to get these into schools so students can really be very intentional. Because as much as I subscribe to higher ed and education, I think it really has to be um, meaningful education that folks need as it relates to moving forward. I was, mm -hmm. at first gen, I was never taught about home ownership, never mm -hmm. taught about financial literacy on a high level. Mm -hmm. um, so it's very important that we give the, the young folks and even older folks um, the tools to, to move forward. And in all my presentations, I remind folks, you'll never be as young as you are today. So we need to be very clear in this moment as to what we want to achieve tomorrow. Right. I love that. This conversation is turning out to be quite therapeutic. I'm, I'm like snapping my fingers <laughs> over here. <laughs> I have to uh, invite you to my next uh, sem seminar. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah it's all virtual now, so I can just send you the link and you can show up. Right, right. I'm, I'm all in. Now, something I love to ask all of our podcast guests is, what is something that you would say to the current students at Seton Hall in particular, who are in, in this time frame are experiencing college in a very different format, very untraditional, unconventional as it pertains to the pandemic. Having gone through your undergraduate, your master's, your EDD, what is something that you would say to young pirates right now as they go through their own higher ed experience? Young pirates. I would love to be invited back. I would, you know, absolutely volunteer my time to, to inspire the pirates. But this, my message is couched in, in, in this area. You make no excuses. I was homeless. I grew up in a violent community. I had teachers tell me I wouldn't amount to anything. I had uh, drug infested uh, uh, family members in neighborhoods I grew up in, grew up on welfare, um, you know, imposter syndrome, fear, anxiety, depressive thoughts, et cetera. All of those feelings are valid, but we're not gonna make any excuses as it relates to your destiny being in your own hands. Ultimately, every decision you make from this point on will determine whether you play on team success or team failure. Two, I would tell them that they have to avoid weapons of mass distraction. Mm. I would challenge them to take their own inventory. I know the phones have inventories now, but how many hours are you spending on social media or uh, using social media and your phone as a, a, a toy and not a tool? And then how many hours are you working in and outside the classroom? I'm not just talking about grades because the classroom is one thing, but what are you doing outside the classroom to develop yourself? And if those things don't match, then you're literally wasting time. And we all have the same 24 hours in a day. 
Um, next, I would say you need to focus on choices and decisions because every decision you make will have consequences. And then really focusing on the, the opportunity to learn in every environment and every space that, you in, that you're in. Right. Every person you meet knows something that you don't. And it's really important to understand that. Folks are waiting for the teacher with their hands folded to explain to them what life is all about. When that lunch lady uh, or the person serving you lunch or the person cleaning the classroom um, has just as much wisdom and knowledge as those folks who have the terminal and, and formal degrees. So become a student of life um, and just really be very intentional and be very clear. It took me a while. I consider myself a late bloomer. Explore. Explore your major. Explore the opportunities on campus. Take advantage of all the resources. I, I, you know, I, the out-of-classroom experience is so fruitful, and I know it's different now in COVID, but universities and colleges are scrambling to provide opportunities for folks to engage. Right. And the young pirates have to take advantage of that as it relates to creating that pathway to success beyond their time at FHU. That is so powerful. That is so powerful, especially as it pertains to learning from just anyone that you meet. I want to thank Absolutely. you so much for sharing your wisdom and your words of advice. It has been an absolute pleasure. And I want to give you an opportunity to share anything that we didn't get a chance to cover or an information for how our listeners can learn more about the initiatives that you have going on. Yeah, thank you so much for this opportunity. I cannot believe that we're done already. I could, you know, we could do this uh, for another half hour. Time oh, yeah. flew by. We're, we maybe we um, have to do a round two in the in the near future. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I'm, I'm I'm all for it. You know, you can follow me at Word Travel on Twitter and Facebook. Danny Jean on LinkedIn, and um, uh, we're at at Words Travel on Instagram. And just want to leave the listeners with this. You know, I, I live by the biblical verse Ephesians four and twenty nine which states that uh, make sure the words that you share are to build and not destroy. We want to make sure that we're developing community, helping others, and sharing words of wisdom and encouragement that could help the next person um, feel better, have a better outlook on life, and be more motivated to achieve their personal and professional goals. And thank you so much for this opportunity to share. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for taking the time out. Thank you for giving these words of encouragement and inspiration. I have thoroughly enjoyed speaking to you and we will be sure to mention in the show notes, those social media accounts that you just shared for our listeners to look into. So Dr. Daniel Jean, thank you once again for joining us on today's show. Dr. Daniel Jean is just one of more than 100,000 alumni who demonstrate what great minds can do with a Seton Hall education. If you know of a fellow pirate that we should have our eye on, don't hesitate to email us at alumni at shu.edu. Make sure you stay up to date with all of the virtual engagement opportunities being offered to Seton Hall alumni. Visit the Hall Hub at www.shu.edu slash hall hub. Share the news of this podcast with your friends and follow at Seton Hall Alumni on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks for listening. Hope you join us for the next episode of the Seton Hall Pirate's Eye podcast. Mm-hmm.